I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. So we are combining three of the things we love, podcast and then story and breakfast. And specifically, we're looking at the biggest story. We tend to read the Bible like it's something boring, um, a little more mechanical, when in truth it's full of all kinds of complicated characters and plenty of room for the imaginative. Uh, we're hoping that this could open up the way we read these stories, that we would see the people in them as real people and that that might help us connect to maybe God is real too, if the characters are real. We're going to look at a bunch of different stories in scripture and just ask the question, what did they eat for breakfast? And what did they want to eat for breakfast? And we're also just going to talk about what life felt like for them in the hope that maybe we'll see ourselves in the story and we'll see a real God moving through real people. We're calling this the breakfast translation. Keaton, have you had any good breakfast lately? I sure have. Let's just do a breakfast, I, yes. breakfast catch-up, breakfast update. Quick catch-up. So I got to go to Colorado recently, which was super neat. And I don't know if this is a Colorado thing or if my eyes were just opened up based on the places we went to, but I discovered pancake flights. What does that mean? Um, and it was, I, so again, I don't know if it's a Colorado thing, but it happened. I went to two breakfast joints and both had pancake flights. Is that and like a flight of beer? Yeah. you get... Five pancakes? It, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. So you get your blueberry, your chocolate chip, whatever specialty. Pancake, That's amazing. Banana. Yeah, it's exactly what I needed in my do life. Do you also get, like, do you use the same syrup or do you get, a, like, a matching flight of different syrups? Ooh, that, that would be next level, but same syrup. Okay. But just, like, a, a long rectangular plate with pancake, 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 and you just get to... That sounds awesome. Yeah. Was there one flavor of pancake that you were, like, surprised by? Um, there was an Elvis pancake, so I, I, banana and peanut butter, if I remember right. Yes. And so that I grew up in an Elvis household, and that so I understand that. And Elvis I said the right, the right ingredients. Yeah, peanut yeah. butter and banana is big. That sounds great. Yeah, that was a really special discovery. For, I love sampling, so. <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't require commitment, mm -mm. right? That's that's the beauty of the of the flight. I yeah. feel like more there should be more flights. Uh, just in general, that across, should just be yeah. a thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. there should be more flight options that's for food. That's a movement I'll get behind. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Any breakfast discoveries? Nothing too special, but I did. So we're doing this in it's May. We're recording this, and. People are starting to get vaccinated. More things are kind of opening up. I'm excited for the return to coffee shops. Mm. And there is a coffee shop around the corner from me that it doubles as a brewery at night. So it's got big open spaces. So you, so they're kind of open. You, yes. you can go in there. Like yeah, a lot I of, went to this one. Yes, yeah, you did go there. Yeah, and most coffee shops in Columbus are locked down. Can't go in there. But this one, because they have more space, they they're kind of a little more open and so i went in there and got a pumpkin coffee cake muffin whoa and it was it was pretty good okay yeah yeah that sounds amazing it sounds cozy i'm excited for the return of coffee shops and like and baked goods for for breakfast yeah. um and this was my first my first outing um so i was excited about that yes welcome back yeah <laughs> back to breakfast uh -huh. so yeah hopefully that will translate we do hope to like take this take this podcast on the road where we'll we'll go places and eat delicious things uh while we're recording about eating delicious things yes yeah, so you guys can hear us chill yeah, it's gonna be great <laughs> <laughs> right into the microphone yeah, yeah here's me trying to calculate whatever the tip is yeah so exciting <laughs> so many possibilities ahead of us yeah. so hang on Buckle tight up. <laughs> for that second season because we're we're going on site um so we're getting into acts 
uh, chapter 9, if you're reading along with us, and it's important to say, I think, I don't know if we've said this explicitly, but one of the reasons I really love the book of Acts is because it's the backdrop to a lot of the rest of the New Testament. Um, I, I find that in the world of the church, people like gravitate either towards the Gospels, like they, they love the stories of Jesus, mostly because they're stories. Right. Or they gravitate towards the letters of Paul because those letters are so direct. So like if people... You, you get it to your to-do list and you're, this is, yeah. Yeah, if that's appealing to you, if you wake up on a Tuesday and you're just like, I just want to know what should I try to do today to be different than I was yesterday, the letters of Paul are going to provide that to you. They're going to give you things like, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone, right? They're going to give you this like life wisdom, this what does it mean to have Jesus be with you in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Paul's kind of going to work some of that out. What I love about Acts is that it, it really provides the backdrop to those letters. So if something holding you back from the letters is that there's not a story to it, the story is actually here it in Acts. Story. Yeah. And so um, as we get into this, it's we're going to get into more like we're going to see Paul go to some of the community, communities where he's going to eventually write letters. But we also get to know his personal story. He gives us some hints of who he is in the letters. But the bulk of who he is comes to us from the book of Acts. So here we are. We've met Paul a little bit before. Yeah. Uh, we got not, an not, intro to him. Yes. yes. Remind us where we saw him first. We saw him cheering on the death of Stephen. Yeah. Or did we see him earlier than that? Yes. That, that's the primary place is he at the persecution of Stephen. He's there kind of overseeing things. Mm -hmm. People are like taking their coats off because it's hard to stone a man to death. So they're taking their coats off and they're setting him at Paul's feet. He's kind of the supervisor. Okay. Wow. Uh, and we get another note about him in Acts chapter 8. It says that he is really leading the persecution. So in chapter 8, verse 2, it says that devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church by entering house after house dragging off both men and women he committed them to prison and i have a note the bible i'm using is the bible i used when i was a student uh, and took a bunch of classes and knew a lot more than what i know now uh, <laughs> so it's from super fun notes. to yeah. be like what did i used to know about this uh -huh. and apparently one of the things i used to know about this mm -hmm. passage is that that language there of him ravaging the church it's the same language you would use to describe a ferocious animal. Man. So Paul is, he's intense. intense. Uh, and so that her first glimpses are of him. He will later talk about how he's a zealot, like how he just, he was extreme in his persecution of the church, which I think it's important to catch a glimpse of just, you know, this is not like him sitting back. He's not a passive person. He is actively persecuting people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for us to see just how his pre-story, just see how ferocious he is um, so that it makes more sense later when we see who he becomes. Right. This is the, the before. Yes. And also we've talked about this a little bit before, but how this is always important when we open up the Bible to do the in a world where voice. Do you want to try that one more time? In a world. Yeah. You're getting there. That sounded... <laughs> In a world. <laughs> no. 
No, you're getting colder. No, you're colder. Far, far colder. There. Okay, yeah. okay. I'll, I'll quit while I, while I was ahead. Yeah. Um, so in a world where now I'm not even trying. In a world where there we go. Yeah, there I'll are never do that. there are cultural clashes. We have to keep reminding ourselves of this. And Paul himself is a little bit of a cultural clash. Okay. See, I don't know much about his background. So. In a person, he is a cultural clash. But just important for us to, to remember when we read Acts that we're talking about there are, there are a few different worlds colliding in one world. Uh, one world is the Jewish community. So it's the community that we get to know through the Hebrew scriptures and then also through the Gospels of Jesus. But always in the background of the Jewish community is the Greco-Roman Empire, which is in itself two worlds colliding. It's the Greeks who back during the time of Alexander were like, you know what? We just think everybody should be Greek. Our stuff is the best, and everybody should speak our language. Everybody should see our statues. Mm -hmm. Everybody should read our philosophers. Everybody should worship our gods. And so Alexander leads this cause to just turn the whole world Greek. Um, it may be hard for us to imagine that kind of arrogance of a country <laughs> that would think we're the best country and everybody should be just like us. I know it's hard yeah. as Americans. That's really hard for us to imagine. Just close your eyes. Yeah, and if you just, yeah, just try real hard to imagine that kind of feeling about the world. Yeah, but that also collided like it's this is the thing I also used to understand better. But that also at some point kind of collides with the Roman Empire that had a very sophisticated understanding of gods and also of government. And so has the Greeks and the Romans kind of joined forces, you get what we usually just call the Greco-Roman world uh, that has a lot more power than the Jewish community where the scriptures are kind of birthed out of. Right. And so that's kind of one of the fascinating things about Paul is that he kind of sits at this Venn diagram of all these worlds. Okay. So he's Jewish to his core. He's yeah. going to talk about just how much Judaism is a part of who he is. But he also has a Roman citizenship which we don't really ever know exactly how he gets this Roman citizenship, but we're going to see it. It's going to be a huge piece of his story that because every time he gets in trouble later on, he can claim I'm a Roman citizen. Uh, so he does have like, and we also know we're going to, we're going to find out that he has been reading Greek poets. And so he's a, a man, a jack of all trades. Yes. <laughs> uh, and he, he seems to be paying attention to the philosophers of his time. So as much as Judaism shapes him to the point that he's like willing to destroy anybody who he thinks is a threat to it, he is also open to some, the culture around him a little bit. Yeah, contains multitudes. Right. So here's this guy, and that is also reflected in his name. So this is a big deal, uh, is just his name. Because when we meet him in the beginning of Acts, he's called Saul. And even through this story in chapter 9, he's still going to be called Saul. Saul. And the switch of his name doesn't really happen until he starts reaching out to Gentiles. And then Luke, the author, seems to make a switch to referring to him more as Paul. And did you grow up learning anything about that? Saul like, to Paul? Yeah. That, I just knew Saul, bad, Paul, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that about sums uh -huh. up how we're kind of taught about it. Um, it's actually, I think we're taught a lot of times, and I can remember like learning this at different, like in different church settings or classrooms or whatever, or in sermons, that 
that it was a part of his conversion is that he gets a new name. Yes. I, I can almost perfectly picture a cartoon where that happened. Yes. A bright light and then you are Paul. Yeah, you're Paul now. Yeah. And there's, there's good reason for that because there are several stories in the scriptures where God gives somebody a new name. That it, is a, it does seem to be a piece of their, uh, their new identity. And we even have like this big giant idea that there's going to be a moment where we're going to be intimate enough with God that God's going to tell us a truer name. So we might even have a different name that God knows us by. And then we might even know ourselves by better if somebody called us that name. So we do have this idea that names matter and that it can often be a reflection of a change. Uh, but one of the things I was taught that I think is maybe a more true version and also maybe a little more beautiful than even that beautiful possibility. Mm -hmm. Let's hear it. Is that Saul himself, he, Saul is a very Jewish name. Um but he, because he does have some exposure to the Greco-Roman world, because he is a Roman citizen, that Paul is actually like a more, a name that you would hear more in a Gentile crowd. And so he uses the name that suits the people he's talking to. Uh, as a way of connecting and yes, being more approachable, I suppose. Yeah, because yeah. he's even going to talk about this. Uh, I can't remember what letter it is, but in one of his letters, he's going to talk about, I became all things to all people. Wow. Including his name, you know, and he's going to eventually, spoiler alert, right? When he starts following Jesus, he's going to talk about how you just, you become what people kind of need you to be to get them to hear who Jesus is. And so we see that reflected even in his own name. Because it's not like we're going to get into the story, right? But it's not like he has this blinding moment and then he all of a sudden is called Paul. He's still called Saul. Right, after, yeah, yeah. post-conversion. So it really is only when he's in communities where people would be more open to somebody named Paul. Yeah, I've never heard that. So uh, we could take just a quick, like, story time here. Story time. Yeah, do you have any, have you ever been called something in one setting, but it only made sense there for you to be called that? So when I was in high school, I was exclusively Keats. My name's Keaton. Keats is shorthand. My teachers called me Keats. My friends called me Keats. Uh, my parents even called me Keats. I graduated and went to college. It was my first, I ran, I ran track in college. It was my first day of practice. And one of the seniors said, hey, Keaton's kind of hard to cheer for when you're running around the track. What's, what's an abbreviated version? Did you have any nicknames in high school? And I said, yeah, it's Keats. And he said, eh, no, not that. <laughs> you rejected your own. <laughs> he said, I'll do Keat. So I lost the S. But it what kind of cheering is he doing that these like, that is, he has such high standards? I don't want to yell into this mic, but like go Keaton, like the T people get caught up on it. Like go okay. Keaton, like I don't know. See, I feel like in I've the world that I several grew times up, across my life though. I would just say Keaton. Keaton, yeah, I would just, like, just soften that T. Yeah. So, but if you're like yelling a, and trying to soften the T yeah. at the same time, it doesn't, doesn't I could quite do translate. I don't want to mess with our mic levels, yeah. but I will, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try it later. But I, I lost just from that moment. <laughs> He's saying no longer. My my title completely changed. It just lost one letter, but it was yeah. huh. it was new, and then my identity adjusted to being Keaton. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Did you have any? I name? can't think of a time where it was like purposeful. Mm. I, I was just thinking, what do I, I just call you Keaton Case. Like, I feel like for most of the First time I've known name. you, I need more, I demand more syllables. Ah, Keaton Case. Um, my, my middle name's Jeanette, if you want to get really <laughs> <laughs> overboard about it. That would be terrible to yell at a track <laughs> meet. 
Uh, so many T's. Too many. Yeah. Whoever that guy yeah. struggled with the T's, he would never stand for that. Uh, I My last name is Buffington, so that lends itself to a lot of things. Um, what's interesting to me is I've never been called Buffy. Oh, yeah. So it's either been like Buff or Buffer. Do you, would you like to be called Buffy? No, I think I must be projecting something mm. that says whatever you do. Please do not. Don't call me Buffy. <laughs> and like, it's even, I don't even know that Buffy is like a soft name because it's like if you grew up at a certain time, that's the Vampire Slayer. Right. Which is a pretty great that's immediately TV series. What I thought of, yeah, yeah, and a very powerful female figure. So, um, but for whatever reason, it's never really, people have never seen me as a Buffy. So I think I'm, I think I feel freed up and, and glad for that. Uh, but we do have, I think you said your family also would call you Keats, right? Yep. I think uh, sometimes that can happen in a family, like where you have a name that only they call you, and it's like a special kind of identity. Uh, and I, do you have a name, do you have like a, do you know the story of why you're called Keaton? Do you know what no, Keaton I means? No, I think my mom just loved it. She just I, it, it. Means, it means a hawk's town. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so take from that what you will, but I've Googled several different versions, and they all come to the same conclusion, a town full of hawks. <laughs> And I'll find a way to make that feel meaningful. <laughs> hawks are I alert, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, okay. Yeah. I didn't know hawks. Like, I usually see them as like solitary figures. They must congregate. I didn't know that they got together in yeah. town. There That's, could be depth. A bunch of introverts and all together. I don't yeah. know. Like we were going to run this town yeah. and never talk to each other. Um, mm -hmm. My name means, Laura means lady of victory. Wow. I'll, I'll take yours. Yeah. <laughs> Which is it's powerful it is it sure is but i think it was also my mom knew uh somebody she really liked named laura which uh is actually about a woman in the church we're this will this is more for our next episode where we're going to talk about women in the church uh but it was just a woman in the church that my mom thought was really kind and she thought that if she named me after a kind lady i might it might work out <laughs> so jury's still out but yeah. i was named on purpose I think so it worked yeah it so i love this i love this idea that saul paul <laughs> we'll just call him Saul Paul, Saul Paul. this episode, which it would also be hard if he was running track. Saul Paul, yeah. Saul Paul, that yeah. is complicated. Um, and he does use track metaphors, so it's maybe we're on brand here. Uh, but I kind of love that he, he already carries a name that fits into his purpose uh, because he is going to become, in this world where all these cultures are clashing, um, he is going to become this, this Venn diagram center. He is going to be this bridge person who is going to be a major contributor to that that vision. Remember, we saw Simon Peter give that big speech from Joel 2 about walls falling down. And um, he's going to be a major part of the wall between the Jewish world and the Gentile world falling down. And he already carries that story in his own name. In his DNA, yeah. Yeah. So let's get into a few things that we do know about him is that he was a part of this really strict uh, school of Pharisees. So we meet the Pharisees in, in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Um, they are the folks who are very faithful to a certain way of living out the Jewish life. And they have a lot of legalism, has kind of become a part of their community life. But that comes from a desire to be really faithful. Yes, and correct what, and yeah, aligned and to what they think God wants. So they're trying to be really faithful. And so that's why it, it almost makes sense that for a while they would see Jesus as a threat, right? Because we think about the stories of Jesus where sometimes he 
he breaks down some of that legalism right you know like there's sake of good yeah i mean there's times where you know when he wants to heal somebody but it happens to be the sabbath Sabbath, right and the people who really think the sabbath is so holy and important can't like how dare you heal this hurting person we have this law we have to keep yes and i I can see why that would be a hard adjustment to make when you were when you say one way is the only way yeah and when you've come to understand that is how you connect to god and what and not just to what you do, but what you think everybody, like the best life for everybody right. is to keep these laws. And so there's reasons, right? And Jesus talks about tearing down the temple. And of course, he also means his body. So that's a complicated thing. But he's he's saying these things against things that Saul Paul sacred, yeah. would have been taught to hold very sacred. And so, you know, while I it's hard for me to imagine going house to house and carrying people off to prison. I can maybe just a little bit imagine Saul Paul, like what drives this, this anger, this like being like a ferocious animal. Um, Let's talk about what, what do we think Saul Paul, when we meet him at first in this story, when he's still mostly going by Saul, when he's still trying to be a good Pharisee, what do we think he would have for breakfast? So what, what I first thought of is John Mulaney has this bit where he is with his dad and he's a young a young kid driving through McDonald's for breakfast okay or he demanded McDonald's the dad was like no we're not going to McDonald's and then the dad's finally like, fine we'll go through McDonald's um the dad gets a black coffee and then keeps driving nothing for little little boy John and I kind of figure that might apply to okay. us all here so he would be the black coffee, just black coffee. Yeah. If, if they did have coffee, which we give them the breakfast, yeah. they do not. But yeah, that he might have like a really rigid uh, routine mm-hmm. to his breakfast. Yeah. What do, What do you think? I like that. I also, I like I like John Mulaney, so I like picturing him pouting in the back seat, yes. <laughs> not getting his breakfast. Yeah. What would What do you uh, egg McMuffin? Is that what they have at the thing? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think it would be rigid, and we do know a little bit just about, and this, again, this is not a thing that I'm an expert on. Maybe when we when we get enough, uh, when we're able to, like, have guests and stuff, maybe we could bring somebody on who does know about this. But, you know, the the Old Testament has all these rules against diet, right? So food has been a formative part of the faithful life for a very long time, and so those Old Testament laws... There's, uh, I do know that you couldn't mix meat or, and dairy together. So you literally could not have bacon and eggs. Yikes. So we know that if he sat down at a table, again, this is pre-conversion, if he sat at a table and somebody had bacon and eggs, there's no, he, is, none of it. he can only have the black coffee. So your, your prediction is correct. Uh, they could not have nothing from pigs. So basically anything that we've come to love as a breakfast meat would be off the table. Uh, for Paul or Saul Paul so I think you're right I think it would be it would be limited uh, and probably rigid like maybe the same thing every day yeah Uh, and he would maybe just be one of those like routine people Um, so let's get into this story because Saul Paul is about to be denied breakfast for three days he all we know is he's on a journey And suddenly it says, a light from heaven flashes around him. He falls to the ground and he hears a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who do you think? Who do you think the voice is? 
I did read it. <laughs> so you know. I know. Who's the voice? We've got Jesus on the line. Jesus is on the line. He's calling you up. Now, this is might be strange because where is Jesus as far as we know in the story? Out out here. In, yeah. Oh, you can't see my hands. <laughs> this is a podcast. He went, yeah. He's he's in the heavens. Yeah. Right? We had that that big moment in Acts one where it tells us he he kind of leaves the local presence of his friends to ascend. And our our understanding that we kind of liked about that is he goes to fill the space. Yes. So as you can imagine, I was doing some jazz hands when right. I said out here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, but Paul will later talk about this. Like when he will tell this story, he will talk about meeting Jesus as if he met Jesus on this road. And... I also, I kind of like this because remember, I think, I can't remember which episode, but we have talked about mystics. Yeah. How they experience God. Yeah. And Paul in this moment is almost, it's almost like a mystical experience, right? Because he's hearing from Jesus. Um, It says that everybody else hears the voice, but they don't see it. Um, But Paul himself will talk several times in his later letters about getting to meet Jesus. Um, And he doesn't even make a distinction like I met Jesus you know in the clouds like in an abstract way like he doesn't distinguish he says I have met I've, Jesus as far as we know he doesn't have any run-ins with Jesus in those first 33 years so from this moment of, of Jesus asking him this question he goes into he falls on the ground uh, and his his sight is taken from him and so he has three days where he can't uh, eat or drink and he can't see anything. So no breakfast uh, for three days. Yeah. He was only drinking black coffee anyway. Yeah. I mean, he's so fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> and he's, you know, he can't really go anywhere. So he doesn't need that much strength. Uh, he is almost immediately dependent on other people is what I think is kind of interesting about the story. A part of Saul Paul's conversion is not just meeting Jesus in this sort of mystical encounter. It's also an invitation into the community of believers, mm. which, and they're not too sure, right? Because their experience with this guy is he's been going around knocking on people's doors and hauling them off to right. prison, yeah, if I... not helping to murder them. So some of them are like a little scared of this. Right? I empathize. Yeah. We run into this Ananias. This is not the same Ananias who dropped dead a couple chapters Ananias back. Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> yeah. This is a different different guy, which I imagine most of his life, from here on out, he's got to be like, I'm not that Ananias. Oh, I you imagine know? so. Like, yeah. he might even want a nickname. Right. Like, just call me Nan. Yeah. Or something. So Nan. Yeah. So Nan uh, gets together with Paul, even though he's afraid, and he's a part of God, like, restoring Paul. Um, and he's a part of bringing his sight back. And then uh, it also, so he's able to see again, and he gets up and he's baptized right away. And then he also gets to eat right away. It's almost, it's a little bit of, the, of a mirror of the resurrection meal, like mm-hmm. when Jesus has to eat after three days. There's, there's parts of it that seem like a little bit of a, You've heard this story before, right? Of like somebody being out for three days and then eating being like a way of bringing them back to themselves. Uh, Paul is baptized and he eats to regain his strength. So this is, 
I'm imagining this is like a pancake flight. You know, like he's <laughs> yeah, got to get those he carbs has back. The good food. Yeah. Yep. So maybe he gets some some good Belgian waffles or something. Um, and he also meets uh, a man named Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas is also going to stand up for Paul when the other disciples are not quite sure uh, what to do with him. And this is actually going to be an ongoing issue for Paul. Like in his whole story, he's going to have to constantly revisit this issue of his credibility. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be tricky. I mean, he was an antagonist. Right. And I don't know if you, like I can't think of anything quite dramatic about this, but you know, you think about like, I've had this before where I, I go back, like I run into somebody I knew from high school and you want to just say, I'm not, I'm different. You know, <laughs> you almost want to say like, call me something else. Um, because I, I feel fundamentally different than that person, you know? And so that's a little bit of what we see here in Saul Paul and maybe part of why he starts even leaning on call me Paul. Right. Um, because Saul has, starts to have like a negative connotation for him. Um, he's going to have to constantly sort of, he's going to feel inferior because he's not one of the 12, uh, because he didn't know Jesus the person the same way that they knew Jesus the person. He's going to constantly have to like describe this indescribable encounter, encounter with the risen Jesus. I swear. Yeah, I swear. <laughs> I was, it was not just a bad dream. I didn't eat anything weird. I just saw Jesus in this space that's not quite this space, but not another space either. Uh, and he also has to, he turns right around and starts teaching. So, and we're going to see this in the letters, like everything that he understood about the Hebrew scriptures is going to come into play to what he's going to eventually teach about the meaning of Jesus. Um, but it's going to be an ongoing issue, right? That, and it's also going to be a part of his credibility that he can say to people that you can be dead to sin and alive in Christ. And the reason he's going to be able to say that is because it's true in his person. And so as much as his story and as much as this dramatic change is like a hindrance for him, it's also going to be a really powerful piece of who he is. Um, is there any, that's just, we're just going to kind of stop there with him becoming a whole different person, being baptized and being ready uh, to go out and serve this church that he had just days ago, been persecuting. Um, any, do you see any invitation in that story? Is there anything surprising to you about that? Anything that makes you think the world could look different? Any scales falling from your eyes as yes. you read that story? Scales falling from my eyes. I, it makes me want to be a little bit more trustworthy of people who feel like, like maybe there's some Saul Pauls in my life who said, I've changed and I'm excited about this new change. And I'm going, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But I think it should open us up to, yeah. we, to not rule out what is possible right. in other people. Um, and maybe even in ourselves. Yeah. You know, like how often are we stuck in a story that we think is true about us? And it feels so true because it's us. And we think we know our own name even, you know, and, and we almost we would need something really dramatic sometimes to shake us out of who we think we are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I think it opens us up uh, to possibility. I think also I don't want to lose the fact that this doesn't just happen in isolation. 
Like, even though that initial moment is on the road, Paul still, Saul Paul is always with other people. And even his, like, his restoration, his teaching, his understanding of who Jesus is, it comes in community. I think sometimes we kind of romanticize, like, the loner conversion, like the going off into the distance by yourself. Right. Seeing something. And they're forever different. And right. and it's a thing. I feel like a lot of times it's a thing that kind of prevents you from being able to connect with people after. Right. And that's not the case. No, here it's it's very tied into other people. So, and, and that doesn't mean it's easy. Like, so we're going to get into stories where that's, you know, as we say, it's going to continue to be a struggle for Paul. Yeah. His credibility and his story, he's going to have to keep working it out. Um, but it's a good it's a good start to his story. So uh, we are hoping in the next uh, little bit to do like a leftovers episode. So as we make our way through these stories, if you are reading along with us, uh, if you have any questions or if you have any answers <laughs> to questions we haven't asked or to things that we haven't talked enough about uh, or just responses or if you are reading along with us and you have questions about something that you see in the book of Acts, uh, we'd love to just talk about those in a leftover episode yeah. coming up soon pancake so bite inquiries yeah if you want to know give you more details more about breakfast yeah and how to make a good muffin or a pancake flight or what the brec the best breakfast place in dayton is that's a we've really done a lot of research on that question and we're ready to answer that yeah um so you can find us on instagram at the breakfast translation you can slide into our dms there that's the <laughs> easiest way to do it uh or just you know leave a comment there and hopefully uh, in the days to come, we'll be, we'll be queuing those A's and A in those Q's. So thanks for joining us on The Breakfast Translation.